0: you're listening to the broadway podcast network
1: hi and welcome to the compass the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist i'm leah walsh my guest today is jessica love jessica's incredible actor and illustrator she is one of my dear classmates from juilliard group 38 and i'm so happy to finally have the chance to sit down with her for the podcast she's someone whose imagination and humor i've always admired On a side note, my show Drunkalvania is closing April 15th. We can't extend again. We just have a few shows left. Saturday, April 8th, Thursday the 13th, Friday the 14th, and Saturday the 15th, all at 7.30pm. I love this show and I'm really going to miss having it in my life. So if you want to come out and join us, you can find tickets at Drunkalvania.com. I hope you enjoy the 70th episode of The Compass. to try to keep from going to the dark side as an artist. Yeah. Um, And kind of tied up in that is like what is the dark side for you
0: most often? Yeah, that's what I was thinking through. Um, It's interesting, right? Because like a certain degree of dark side is maybe Necessary to be a three-dimensional person and getting into a um, fight with yourself for having darkness doesn't help either or it doesn't help me. This is like therapy. I'm just going to talk and you're going to look at me with empathy. Yes. For those of you at home, she's looking at me with great empathy. (laughs)
1: Practiced. (laughs) That's true. It doesn't help to be mad at yourself for going to the dark side, although I've definitely done it.
0: Yeah. Um, This is sort of a depressing answer, but I think I've always girded myself against real disappointment with low expectations. Um for myself and what my <laughs> life is going to be. Jesus. It's true though. I mean, I, th- I think when we did showcase I was fully prepared to not have a single response. I had made peace with that. <laughs> and I was ready to live my life from that point forward with that having been what happened. I think that's how I approach auditions. The few times I've gotten a really good job that I really wanted, um, I haven't let myself It <laughs> would lead to anything. God.
1: And are you saying that that's worked for you? Like that helps you keep out of the dark side?
0: I mean, there's a degree to which it's, a, it's efficient. It's sad. <laughs> but... but um, yeah, I guess it's a kind of like thought management lithium. It keeps the highs from being too high. But I also,
1: how does that make <sighs> you feel about auditioning? Then though, do you go into it, it does, at peace, or do you go into it feeling like already stressed out and low because you're like, I'm not no, gonna
0: get it? No, no. It's a, it's a little more. It's a little more Buddhist than I'm making it sound. Like it's a little. It's a little jollier, like it's less bleak than I'm making it sound. Um, yeah, I think, I think maybe it's, it's like a, a tenacious um, insistence for, my, for myself in my worldview on like, the big picture and the degree to which whether or not I am a famous actor matters or doesn't matter in the larger (laughs) scheme of things and I think that it allows me to keep a sense of humor about it and it it prevents it prevents me from getting heartbroken every time I don't get the thing I want which is almost all of the time
1: yeah um so keeping more of a perspective about the size of what you're doing in relation to the universe yeah
0: yeah and I do wonder I do wonder whether um, that has been prohibitive in terms of um, allowing myself to be ambitious. Like I think there are ways where I could have gone after it harder. I could have hustled harder, I could have sold myself more persistently, but and I don't know, at the end of the day, whether that's a result of my, um, <laughs> admirable detachment or, like, professional cowardice. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit of both.
1: I mean, it can be all of the above.
0: hmm Yeah.
1: Know, I, I understand that. I think I have a little bit of that, too, of, like, wanting people to come to me as opposed to yeah, I mean, pushing myself on them, <clears throat> which, which is, is hard in this industry. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean it's probably like a form of pride, like a refusal to. Yeah, it's like a. If you don't want it, that's not my problem. Mm. I don't know. That wasn't really what you were asking me,
1: though. No, I think you answered it partly. If that's part of how you deal with not going to the dark side, is just setting your expectations lower.
0: Um, I think sense there are more. Like, the most active answer is that I have another thing that I love to do, and I try to do that as much as possible because that is another... It's another way that I can scratch the same creative itch. That's a, that's a gross analogy. <laughs> well, and um, you can
1: do it by yourself, for the most
0: I, part. And I can do it by myself. So
1: this is illustrating, right? This is
0: masturbating.
1: Okay, great both either <laughs> <laughs> this is illustrating
0: this is illustrating which i'm i'm only now starting to try to parlay into a into an actual side career or second career mm-hmm. before it fulfilled the same function it was like a self-esteem lockbox that like n- no matter how profoundly I failed at my chosen career. There was this <laughs> other thing that I hadn't chosen to do that we will never know if I would fail or succeed at it right. because I wasn't going to fucking wager that. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I guess that's the...
1: Yeah, having another outlet.
0: Yeah, that's the, probably the first thing I reach for. Have you for. been
1: doing that since you were a kid?
0: I have. Yeah, And I think...
1: Had you always been illustrating, or had you been drawing? And when does it become illustr—like, when did it become a storytelling
0: thing? I guess. Yeah, interesting. That's an interesting question, and it—that's a smart question because it was. I think it is this. I think it is. It comes from. It's the same impulse, um, as wanting to act and play make believe, but. I just have more control over the story, but it was always telling a story to myself. It was always like very narrative and character driven melodramas early on. I would, I'd like, I'd work up these tragic, um, plots. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be in tears drawing the like destitute orphan prostitute alone in the rain on the heath.
1: We read all of the same children's books. Yeah, I think
0: same ingredients. Same ingredients.
1: It's so funny because I remember vividly, for some reason, one day in acting class freshman year, <laughs> I think when Richard Feldman had like led us through something where we were like basically. All pretending to be babies and then like growing through childhood,
0: oh, up uh, into this, yeah. being an adult, and like at at one point in like elementary age children, you and I were both off on our own playing make believe. We
1: were we were both the uh, isolated children. Totally. I don't rem- and I don't remember if I remember this totally. in the moment or like us talking about it afterwards or you being like, <laughs> I would just be myself making up stories and because I saw you as such like a social. Vivacious person. It's
0: really weird.
1: First year of grad school. This was my perception of you, yeah. and to see you as a kid as this like isolated, imaginative child. I was like, oh, we are the we're, same. We're the same. <laughs> yes, totally. I thought I lived in Little House in the Prairie.
0: So did I. Yeah. <gasps> totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up. I grew up pretty isolated, like, and I liked that yeah I didn't and who knows what that's about like I remember not wanting I remember finding it frustrating when I would try to play with other kids that they kept fucking up the story (laughs) like their focus was all over the place they did not appreciate the gravity of the stakes <laughs> they did not. And know like how they to kept, do it. they kept introducing all these anachronisms that really bothered me. And if I couldn't have a complete verisimilitudinal <laughs> universe, I wasn't interested. It was a waste of my fucking time.
1: Yeah. So
0: drawing, you could do it all by yourself. <laughs> exactly. Okay. It is. It's you know more control. Ultimately, I think this is why. I love acting and especially the theater is I think it tempers me and I think at the end of the day I'm not that great on my own Um, and I like having other people around once in a while. In that structured world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I get to do it with professionals. I just didn't <laughs> and want to they do have it
1: with, the focus. with
0: shitty children yeah, with it's their it's shitty the imaginations. Girls,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so when you're
1: illustrating now, are you mostly working on your own? Are you working with a writer? How, How's that going?
0: Well, the thing I'm mostly working on now is a book that I wrote and illustrated. So it's Complete it's all yours. Ultimate power. <laughs> um, it's all mine, but I haven't actually written the words yet. It's supposed. Bu- it's gonna be a mostly visual book, this is like the a Mermaid
1: Parade. One? This is
0: Julian at the Mermaid Parade, which I we I just heard from my editor. We might have to change the title because the Mermaid Parade itself is copywritten. Oh, and there's, by Coney Island. Yeah, mm. and there's a. There's a chance that they would, you know, wave the whatever. Embrace it. Yeah. Um, but if they don't, it would be too late by the time, it would be too close to our publishing date. So we might have to find another title and I don't.
1: You're so attached to it now.
0: I just don't have any good ideas. If you have any ideas. I
1: mean, they'd all be pretty stupid. The seashell parade. The
0: I'll, <laughs> I'll take it. You know. Um, anyway, uh. But so yeah. how long have
1: you mo- been working on that project?
0: I started it a while ago. I have I haven't worked on it like with consistency and focus, really. I got the idea a couple years ago and then there've been a couple like concentrated bursts of creativity and they kept happening while I was doing shows, interestingly. Um while I was doing like Plays that I had a very tiny part in. Like, I would come on, do my chunk, and then I had the rest of the time to kill backstage. And so having this bounded, like, three hours every day was really useful for me because yeah. I'm not great at structuring my own time. I'm trying to learn how to do that. But having, having the... Uh, scaffolding of the of that daily routine to hang it on was really helpful so that's where I did the first draft and that's where I did the second draft
1: and then when did like making it professional and having an editor when did that happen because that's exciting
0: yeah um, that happened like a little over a year ago mm-hmm. um, I I got a literary agent by I, th- I think I just I sent out like an email I had finished the my first draft of illustrations for the book and, like, wrote out the description of the story. Um, and then I I wrote an email to every famous or powerful person I'd ever met or worked with and was like, if you if you know anyone who knows a literary agent who b- represents children's book All authors and right.
1: illustrators, give
0: me a call. And... Um, Mary Louise Parker, who I knew from doing The Snow Geese, was like an amazing patron saint to me and she's like if I if like I forgot how to say this stuck phrase, I will I will get this thing published or die trying or something. And she she was about to have a book come out, this collection of essays called yeah, Dear I, You.
1: I heard her do some interviews around the time that Dear Mr.
0: Out. You. Yeah. Um and they're great. They're really really special and I funny and they're awesome. She's a great writer. But she she sent it to her literary agent who whose fiance had like a few um clients that were illustrators or or children's book authors. And she really liked it. And we met up and she's like exactly my age and just this lovely creature who um, signed me. It was like this broad stroke of luck. And then she, you know, did her job and was like, these are the things that happen now and we did the things and we submitted it. She like made a list of, of the publishing companies where she thought it would have a good home Mm -hmm. um and the one she wanted for us most was this company Candlewick Press that it they just do children's um children's books and they're beautiful they're like real special works of art um and she's like I'd love it if we could end up here but probably not yeah and we did get rejected by them. But then a couple weeks later, the, the manuscript had landed on a junior editor's desk or some other editor. And she's like, I know we, we were originally passed on this, but if it's still available, I really love it. And I'd love to make oh. it happen. So we were like, fuck yes. <laughs> and so that's where we ended up.
1: Oh my um, gosh. So what point in the process are you
0: now? So I am working with my art editor. I have a I have a words and story editor and that's not what she's her title, but there's one you know, that part. That part. (laughs) I speak English. Um and then there's the English part of it. And then I have an art editor. Her name is Her name is Anne without an E. Okay. And she's the best. Uh, what kinds of conversations do you guys have? It's really interesting. I it's, know nothing about that, but it sounds delightful. It's um, it's storytelling stuff. Yeah, it's it's like, like a sounding board. It's, I'm trying to think of a, of a good example.
1: Like. Like is it really little details? Like oh, the gesture this character is making with his hand doesn't read as. What yeah. you're trying to communicate? Or I whatever. mean, it's
0: stuff like that. It's like stuff for continuity, like little stuff like this table has a drawer in this picture and it doesn't have one in this picture, but it's also broader storytelling ideas. Like, um, okay. So like in the first, you know, the page that's like glued to the back of the book, Mm -hmm. those are called the end pages. And they often have like a picture on them that is to do with the world of the yeah. story, but isn't
1: or like a pattern or
0: something. Yeah. yeah, it's evocative of the world, but isn't necessarily part of the plot. So in my book, it's a picture of the main character Julian and his abuela at um, at like a water aerobics class. She's she's with all these other older women like doing <laughs> water aerobics, and Julian is underwater kind of looking up at their legs, like, pretending to be a mermaid. And so it was my art editor's idea to have the end pages at the back of the book be the same picture, but all of the old ladies are turned into mermaids with their bathing suit patterns being, like, the pattern on their <laughs> tail. So she comes up with good ideas like that. It's like a good director. It's yeah. like a... It's like Just a, guide you
1: in the right direction. Yeah,
0: like just making it helping you do the thing you wanted to do. It's cool.
1: So, I know you said that you were hoping to make the <coughs> illustration kind of become your side job when you're not acting is and I don't know what it's like. Like is publishing this book the first step to that? Is it not very financially fulfilling and you're trying to find other jobs with illustration or like
0: oh no, I'll never have to work again. <laughs> I'm going to be rich. one
1: children's book is all it takes. Yeah, it's that
0: big railroad, <laughs> big oil, big children's book. Yeah, I'm just book. curious
1: like thinking of yourself as a freelancer as a um, as a businesswoman as we all have to. Totally. What's the how hustle? How are you kind of piecing together the hustle between acting jobs?
0: Yeah, so I'm right at the beginning of of figuring that out. I've I've always had people over the years, like, reach out to me in a piecemeal way. Be like, hey, a friend of mine wants someone to do a portrait of her daughter. And then I'll be like, yes, I will do that. Great. This is what I will charge you. And so it'll just, like, happen. But I've never actively looked for work in that way. So I'm I'm making a website. I'm going to try and... Because the stuff I enjoy the most is illustration and you asked earlier like what's the difference between a drawing and an illustration and i guess an illustration is meant to convey an intended an attendant message maybe like it's i don't know it's depicting something for a reason i don't really know yeah um but i i want to get work doing like wedding suite Illustrations, don't stuff like that. People are always getting married. Um, <laughs> people.
1: people, people are always getting married.
0: People do keep getting married. Um, Ooh,
1: that's a great idea. I'm sure people would love that.
0: I want to. I I'm gonna do more children's books, but it's it's too slow of a process for that to like. I need I need faster yeah gigs as well. So but i think I, I think having a book published will help me seem like a, a real more of a real person more of a like yeah. pedigreed
1: <laughs> person yeah of course since this isn't the medium that you have a degree in or whatever
0: right it's my it's my cred so yeah like I'll, i'm going to try and get work doing um, wedding suite Uh, illustrations and then something that I did in college occasionally was I would do murals for um, kids rooms so that's a fun thing to do sometimes like now this wall is a jungle (laughs) now this wall is a scene from Vietnam (laughs) 19- (laughs) Oh, I went too far. It's a race.
1: jungle. Jungle Shit. again. Just a jungle. Back to the jungle. Just a regular... Ju- <gasps> <This> is- <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, because I know you've um, done a lot of regional work, mm-hmm. regional theater. How have you dealt with um, having to leave the city often or kind of like your, where you plant your your, what am I trying to say? Roots? Yes, that's the word. You were doing a, roots, <laughs> you know what a I roots dance. Seeds, roots. You know, you're from California, you've lived here for a long time, but do you enjoy working out of town? Do you enjoy having to juggle all of those things?
0: Or? I do like working out of town. I do. Um, I mean, it depends on the show, obviously, but... I've been pretty lucky in that most of the plays I've done out of town have had really fun casts which just makes it camp I mean there's a, there's a way in which working out of town is more fun because you are it's not your real life Yeah. and you, you can't spend your day off running errands you have to spend your day off Doing, going to the weird, like local foot massage place, and like <laughs> trying to find the best bookstore, and yeah, you know, it's it feels like a, I like that peripatetic, um, vagabond feeling. It makes me feel more like an actor, weirdly, than mm. when I'm here and doing a play.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm I'm curious about that. Like how do you maintain your community here when you're leaving a lot?
0: Oh, I just let it fall
1: apart. Or <laughs> how do you do? You feel like you need to maintain a connection with these casts that you build this world with, right? In another state for two months and then disappear from, or do you have you found kind of that you're okay just letting it be what it is and leave it behind?
0: I guess like most, I mean, in terms of maintaining the relationship, your relationships with the casts of the plays that you do out of town it seems like they're so often all New Yorkers that like you see each other back in New York anyway but then the few who are like locals anytime you go back to that area you have this one friend
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, but yeah in, in terms of maintaining relationships in the city it's harder it's harder if you're in a relationship i think i mean yeah i think I'll, i think it helps to have clear expectations to begin with about what in a relationship specifically your rules for being out of town are going to be and i'm not talking so much about like are we going to cheat on each other because ideally right you're not
1: what but what like, expect communication wise
0: and Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think it's easy to yeah. It's easy to to misunderstand each other. You ignore each other and then you fight because you haven't had that the easy daily communication that you get from like living with a person. Yeah. But I do I do think that there's a a way in which and, again, too much of this, I think, is really difficult and can be taxing on a relationship, as you know. Yes. But, like, once in a while, I think it can be really good for... I think once to in individuate. A while it can. Yeah. Yeah. Not all year. Not all the time. But, like, <laughs> once every couple years to be like, oh, right, I yeah these we're are individuals, yeah, these there are some things that I like to do that yeah my person doesn't, and that's fine. and yeah. I can do them anyway. And it's just I don't know. I think as artists, there's a kind of positive narcissism that there's room that's made for it when you're like just out of town working on your yeah and you're in your own space you're in your own space and it's all about (laughs) you no but like you know you get to be interested in yourself Yeah. and in the way that the little mystery of like who am I in the world and how can I how can I get better at the thing I'm doing and I don't know I think Mm. I like all those things about working out of town
1: How are you feeling about New York right now? Do you think you're here for the long term? I want to
0: put my hands around (laughs) its neck and choke
1: it. I know we're just coming out of winter, so it's an unfair time to ask. I want to kick it right in the neck. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I I we've been here for what, like a dozen years now, almost. Yeah, I'm only asking cuz I'm thinking about the same thing.
0: Yeah. It's brutal, dude. Like I don't I'm I'm so and this isn't like really an issue for me because I am not having a kid anytime soon, but I do I think about that. Like the 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 actors, like the actor couples who are able to make that work in this city. It seems like a heart attack. It's tough. I mean, it's so, it's hard, to imagine um, that I wouldn't f- totally freak out. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting that that's what you think
1: of though. Is I that know you, when you're like thinking of the future, that's what comes to mind. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's and like I lugging a child up the yeah, steps. Yeah, it's that, and it's and it's all the stuff that I had in such superfluity growing up that was so essential in making me it's all the parts of myself I like the best are the parts that um are that come from where you grew up yeah really I think so the like Mm. I I feel most myself when I'm in like deep in some natural landscape like I don't I've never been comfortable in a city. I don't know, it's hard to imagine growing up without that. Um, I don't know why I'm yeah. so fixated on the kid question. I think about it a lot, but. Yeah. What do you um, think of moving to LA? I mean, that's the only. How far
1: is Santa Barbara from LA?
0: Two hours, it's two hours north.
1: But a very different two hours.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to be so anti LA, and I didn't really have any like evidence to base it on. Yeah. I think I was just being. I didn't want to live where I grew up, and I like doing plays.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, Not as successful out there.
0: But LA is really nice. I mean, it's the same. You do the same shit, but you do it at in people's really beautiful, cozy houses and on their decks and you get to you get to go outside without being like slammed into. <laughs> um,
1: I I know. I know that your parents are pretty artistic. But I usually ask like what, what does your family make of you? deciding to be an artist for your life. It's funny. It's like <laughs> I I, I have most such of your family is artistic. I but. know.
0: It it would be what I do and what my sister does. My sister's an actor also is fully the equivalent of like having gone to law school or become a doc like we couldn't be compared to your parents. <laughs> well, I think just in terms of it aligning with their understanding of like what they, the way they would want to be spending their time. Like they don't, it's interesting. It's something that I think I have been able to take for granted. Like they don't, they don't think it's a curiosity. They totally get it. Yeah. It's interesting. Like it's interesting to have my parents understand the financial turmoil that, that this career can like wreak on your psyche in such a first-hand, peer-to-peer way.
1: Can you tell the listeners what your parents do, just so they know?
0: Yeah, my parents are both uh, visual artists. They have a business together called Leaves of Grass, Clay and Fiber Arts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Adcockstudios.com. My dad's a potter, and my mom is a basket weaver. Um, And they have made their living running this studio out behind our house since like a couple years before i was born and that's Which been is there. incredible it is it is
1: it's a long time to sustain yourself as an artist
0: totally and they have some shit figured out in terms of like they lead very simp- a very simple life like they you know they wake up and meditate together and they both do yoga like three times a week my mom teaches yoga for extra money and my dad plays in a dad band and they love what they do they live in the middle of the woods and it's beautiful um and you know they have like the the cabin is tiny and they have not they don't have like nice cars or nice stuff but they love their life like the the amount of time they spend doing shit that they hate is pretty small all things considered like
1: that's pretty amazing yeah
0: and they they built their life that way on purpose which is a pretty cool thing to see succeed do you
1: think about that much when you're thinking about like the day to day financial struggles of your life now? Yes. Like, do you learn from things that they did or think about like, oh, what did they do when I was a kid or whatever?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I've been, so I have a therapist, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I wanted to work on with her is like l- learning how to make and accomplish long-term goals how does a person organize their life their finances don't
1: know what your job is
0: yeah a year when you have when your life is completely unpredictable and inconsistent like how do you get some stability and when I told my mom that I was doing that she like practically wept with delight she's like I wish to Christ I had done that when I was your age I, because I've learned all of this through mistakes hmm. but they're certainly not mistakes that we ever felt I mean we had it we had it good it was funny we grew like Santa Barbara's a kind of a cushy town and to and like so we had a lot of rich friends but we never We never really felt the gap. Like, it's not like, I mean, sometimes people would disappear and go skiing and we're like, what do you, what do you mean you're going to be gone for a week?
1: What does that mean? What does that mean? Skiing.
0: What is skiing? (laughs) What is ski? But like, we didn't miss out on much. I got to have braces. My Nana paid for them. Nice. No big deal. (laughs) Thanks, Doctor Kuhn. That's my orthodontist.
1: <laughs> what is it like for you now to have your sister living in New York and to be pursuing something similar to you? And do you guys talk about it much, or are you just do you just see each other as sisters socially and not talk about it? Or
0: oh no, like? we we definitely talk about it. It's interesting. It's so we're six years apart in age. Yeah. So we, d- like, while we have known each other our whole lives, we didn't really become friends until she was well into her 20s because...
1: Right, you weren't in high school at the same time. Yeah, and
0: yeah. then I was, like, she was finishing up high school and I was gone for the last six years and then had, and then moved to New York and have been here ever since. So, in a way... We have, I think, less, like, sisterly baggage in that way, if it makes sense. Like, because we weren't teenagers together. Mm -hmm. So it's not really that different from the way I relate to, like, my other girlfriends who are actors. I just want her to succeed harder than I want them to (laughs) succeed. Um, But she's, she's done so well for herself and with such like she so she moved out here wanting to give it a shot without like before she decided to try and go to grad school and get buried under yes an avalanche of debt like like some idiots at this table (laughs) she wanted to like see how far she could get just on um, moxie (laughs) and she moved here like got a money job like babysitting and then started like going on open calls all the time like waiting in the lines chorus line style and was doing it and like booking jobs from those and got an agent from one of the jobs she booked and like has shot a bunch of short films and a feature and like all on the force of her own, um, guts. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of her. I don't know that I like would have been able to keep marching out there. It's been, it's cool. It's really cool to have seen her move out here and learn how tough she is. It's nice. It's really, really nice having her here. It's kind of cool. It's like we have our own <laughs> wing of the house. where our, <laughs> pa- our parents can't like hear what we're talking about.
1: Oh, they are on the other
0: coast. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they can't hear what we're talking about. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's so special.
0: It's nice. It's really nice.
1: Is there anything in the past couple of years that you're really proud of that you want to tell me about? Like a lesson you've learned? Or no. Something? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't have to be like a big event, but like something you've learned.
0: What am I proud of? I'm proud of my book. It's yeah. something that I, that is mine from start to finish and that I, I didn't really think it would work, but I kept going anyway and then it, did, and I think seeing seeing that I am capable of making a thing happen was really important for me. I, do you remember when Ed Norton came to one of our community meetings? Mm-hmm. Do you remember what he said? Do you remember his talk at all?
1: I mean, vaguely.
0: I remember that he had a nice body and small hands and... That he said this thing about um, what an existentially impossible position it is to be when you're out of work, when you're an actor who can't do, who has to, when you have to wait for someone to give you permission to do the thing that you do and how the, mo- the he's like the best advice I can give you is produce, produce your own work. Either produce a play, write a play, doesn't matter if it's good. Just realizing that you have the autonomy to make mm-hmm. that happen will change the way you think about yourself and your ability to to work. And I think that's true. Things that felt impossible feel less impossible now. Like unrelated things, just because yeah I made a thing happen. Yeah. Can um, I ask
1: what, what brought you the impetus to start this particular book by yourself?
0: so I'd, I'd illustrated books before i'd done I'd done one that I'd been just hired to do as a freelance job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was this one I worked on when I was in college that my college sweetheart wrote and that I illustrated sort of as like a senior project Mm -hmm. but I'd never um, done one on my own Um, but the thing that gave me the idea was my ex-boyfriend had um, a sibling and his eldest sibling came out to their family as trans uh, several years ago when he was in his i think 50s i mean it, he'd oh, wow. had a life yeah he was married his partner knew but no one else did and from what he told me their family had a variety of reactions and one of the things that was <laughs> one of the things that was said is like what am i supposed to tell like, one of, one of the other siblings, like, what am I supposed to tell your nieces, like, that you're their uncle now, or something like that, and I remember just thinking something like, well, yeah, that's what you should tell them, they're kids, all things are equally yeah. mundane and incredible, and, like, <laughs> just tell them that, but then I just start, I started, it's, it's interesting, because it, throughout the course of working on this book, it it started to become uh, being trans sort of seems to have had this like cultural limelight moment. Right. Um, and so there's a part of me that's a little uncomfortable with it with the with feeling like the book is like, exploitive or piggybacking on that in some way, but I start. I mean, I don't know. I
1: no, but it started from something that you yeah witnessing or experiencing.
0: So I basically I started thinking about. I started reading these blogs of families who had.
1: Is it about a trans
0: kid? It's about. It's
1: not. It about the kid's it, perception of.
0: It's not spelled out in the book. It's uh-huh. you could. You could. Read Julian is gay. You could read him as trans. My idea started, though, that he's trans, but mm-hmm. um, he... Right. Or maybe he's just interested in mermaids and dress up.
1: Mm-hmm. That's such a weird thing, though, because I feel like you're right. There is, like, a, a moment happening in awareness or in pop culture, but this country is so huge. Sure. And there are places where that's not even a blip on the radar.
0: Yeah. No, that's true. Where it's maybe very a true. a book
1: in the library could be could make a difference with someone who's never even encountered this
0: you know that's the hope but I yeah I I started poking around the internet and there aren't really many books for kids where that's it feels like part of the story in any way except for super like clunky and didactic Um, but there was nothing beautiful and there was nothing Magical, or mm. so I knew I wanted to write a story about this trans kid, um and then, as I was reading these blogs of of uh, like family blogs of parents with um trans kids all over the country, this theme that emerged was this fascination with mermaids um, which like. Yeah, a lot of six-year-old girls are fascinated with mermaids. But specifically, with trans kids, it has to do with the fact that it's, A, a a magical creature that doesn't have (laughs) genitals, that doesn't have,
1: like... presents as a beautiful woman, but without genitals. Yeah, without having to deal with,
0: like, that source of anxiety.
1: Totally.
0: Um... And then I, th- I thought about the Mermaid Parade in Coney Island and what an amazing, like, inclusive, like, celebration that... Have you ever been to the Mermaid Parade? I've never been. I've just observed from afar. I mean, it's pretty great. It's very Coney Island. Like, yeah. It's, it's campy. It's, like... Yeah, it's not, like, polished. It's not polished <laughs> Like, there are some... There like people every show up drunk. There's every size and, shape, every size and shape and like people go oh, for all kinds of different year. reasons. But it's you know, it's very New York. It's very like <laughs> it's an event. Yeah. Yeah. Um okay. anyway, that's well, where yeah, the, I was just curious. That's where the idea came from. Two questions to
1: wrap it up. Is there anything like concrete besides the illustration road that you reach for when you're really feeling in the dark place like Mm. a book or music or somewhere you go in the city
0: I go to Greenwood Cemetery yeah it's my favorite place Mm. in New York Greenwood Cemetery and and like Grand Central I like a lot too do you just like walking around or do you go and write in your journal or I like I like walking around I mean it has to do with the part of me that that is centered by being outdoors in some trees with some birds. Yeah. And not a lot of people around. I, f- I find, like, crowds and the hustle draining. And I find silence and nature extremely rejuvenating. So, yeah, that's what I will do if I'm feeling upset, or hating myself, or just too, like, trapped in my own boring little struggle, the best thing for me is to get outside and walk. And that's... And there is something about that place, too. The, like... It's like a literary trope to describe graveyards as peaceful. I never really spent time hanging out in one until I lived near this one. But they are... Mm -hmm. And there is something nice about having all these names, all these stories that you're never going to know surrounded by like the creaking trees and the cardinals and the geese walking around and like maybe one person visiting a friend who's dead. That's very tender and vast, so that's what I like to do. (laughs)
1: I just keep thinking about uh, In the Anne of Green Gables It's very Anne of Green Gables (laughs) I think it's Anne of the Island when she's in college And she would always go to this cemetery as well Oh my god Totally (sighs) Anyway um, and then the last question is: Have you seen Nathan lately that you would want
0: to recommend of any art form? I asked. I thought you asked me if I'd seen Nathan lately. Have
1: you seen Nathan Lane lately? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. I haven't, it's have. Have you seen anything lately that you would like to recommend? Like a play or anything, any kind of a thing. A play, movie, book, exhibit, whatever.
0: Um, Vanity Fair at the Pearl. I think. Eric Tucker is a genius director. Yeah, I think. Um, are they in the old signature space now? Yeah. am I
1: making that up? Yeah. yeah okay.
0: Um, I just think he's. I think he's a fantastic director. The. The like density of, the way that he imagines a story, there are always like three or four things happening on stage at mm-hmm. once that are that are telling the story. I, I don't know, I w- will see anything that he does and I very much enjoyed this production. So that's my
1: recommendation. Wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much really for
0: doing this with
1: me. episodes are coming soon. Please look for us on Facebook and iTunes. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brendan Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time.